This is EDC Rocks podcast, brought to you by Andrea Hedlund on neuroscience, psychology, and education. Hello, folks. This is me back with another episode of EDC Rocks podcast, a very special episode, I have to say, because I'm celebrating my podcast's one-year anniversary. How cool is that? Yeah, EDC Rocks has been around for one year. I'm very excited to share that with you. And since we're still doing the tribute thing, I thought I might read something from my newest book, actually my first book. It's called The Owl Factor, Reframing Your Teaching Philosophy. And since we're going to talk about philosophy, why not talk about Socrates, the father of Western philosophy, right? So I'll be reading straight from my book. If you want, just go to amazon.com or .de. It doesn't matter where you are, you can get it. And check out The Owl Factor by André Hedlund, okay? Socrates and his methods. The Owl Factor is inspired by philosophy. I thought it would be nice to quickly revisit Socrates, regarded as the father of Western philosophy. When he came along, Athens already had a modern educational system. Formal and informal settings where students, male citizens almost exclusively, could learn physical education, arts, music, mathematics, and philosophy. Schools and private tutors took care of the Athenian citizens' education. Most of the subjects we study today have their origin in Greek. Mathematics means fond of learning. Physics means nature. Biology, the study or discourse of life. Geography, writing or description of the earth. Music, the art of the muses. Grammar, the art of letters. History, inquiry, and philosophy, love of wisdom. It was, however, the method developed by philosophy, much of it credited to Socrates, that has something to do with how I came up with the owl factor. But first, let's look into Socrates' last days to see how what and how he taught cost him his life. Imagine for a moment an old man with a long white beard standing before tens of people while an accuser tells everyone he had committed two crimes, atheism and corruption of young minds. To help you visualize the scene, you can think of Anthony Hopkins as Socrates. They have a remarkable similarity if you look at Socrates' bust in the Vatican and Hopkins himself as Ptolemy in the movie Alexander. Imagine Anthony Hopkins listening to his accusations quietly until he starts defending himself and manages to prove that the claims against him are false. How does he do that? By asking a lot of questions. You see, one of the reasons Socrates was accused of corrupting minds in the first place had to do with a message his friend received from the Oracle of Delphi. The oracle said that Socrates was the wisest man of Athens and 
because he didn't believe it himself, he decided to test the most intellectual men in the city-state to prove the oracle was wrong. The problem was that he actually confirmed the oracle's prophecy by realizing that all the wisest of Athens, philosophers, poets, musicians, politicians, and military were, in fact, blind to their ignorance and quite confident about the things they knew, which were fairly easily dis deconstructed by Socrates' inquiry. That reminds us of our mother owl and her offspring. Well, you have to read the book to get this reference. Our Anthony Hopkins lookalike philosopher managed to irritate some powerful people and got himself into a lot of trouble. Imagine now that during the trial, he was found guilty and asked by the jury what he considered a fair punishment for him. Socrates said that for the services he was providing the Athenian citizens, he should be paid and get free meals for the rest of his life at the Pretanian, an important religious and political center in Athens. Because of his irony, and the fact that he had enraged many people, he was sentenced to death. He remained in prison for some days, waiting for the sentence, received visitors, among them many friends who wanted to help him escape, but he didn't listen. His execution was carried out by himself. He drank poison hemlock and died a few minutes after. Plato's and Xenophon's writings mention that he was at peace and glad to abide by Athenian law. His last words were meant for his friend Crito and are a matter of debate to this day. He asked Crito to sacrifice a rooster to the god of medicine and healing, Asclepius. Was he being ironic, desperate, nonsensical, or all of the above? We'll never know, I suppose. We don't even know if Socrates did exist since he didn't leave any writings himself. What we do know is that Socrates, real or fictional, made an enormous contribution to philosophy and teaching despite never having written anything. Socrates' methods consisted of challenging his students to get to the bottom of their claims stripping away the conflict in their affirmations and thus arriving at a more refined truth. His lessons were based on dialogues that attempted to get to the truth through logic, hence dialectic. That means dialogue in Greek, right? They were supported by inquiry and deeper investigation. Students were forced to think and use their reasoning to arrive at a consensus that was the synthesis or discard the claim, refutation. To do so, there was a main question or claim often presented by Socrates, which was called the thesis and its opposite, which was called the antithesis, antithesis. The idea was to have a conversation based on questioning to try to combine the thesis plus antithesis or antithesis and synthesis would come out of this exercise. This Socratic method is also known as Maiotics or Elenchus. 
see any similarity between his methods in modern science, academic writing, political debates, or even arguing with your spouse or friends? That's right, Socrates is everywhere. His ideas were against indoctrination and promoted logical thinking. We can learn a lot from this 70-year-old man who died for his beliefs and became a symbol of wisdom along with owls. Socrates has certainly helped me reflect on knowledge and truth. We must also be critical, as his methods demands. The idea most of us have of Socrates as an incredibly wise man, as a free thinker, might be an exaggeration of his pupils, who also need to be analyzed with care. They were human after all. Socrates, as with many other characters for, from ancient history, such as generals, emperors, kings, priests, and scholars, is almost seen as a god or a superhero. He certainly had his flaws. Xenophon mentions how arrogant he was at times, and he was definitely not the first human being to use the method of questioning to get to the truth. Nevertheless, he was the one who became famous for it, and that's why I chose Socrates and his method to reflect on the no-show-grow approach and to help me refine it. To Socrates, knowledge could be obtained through dialogues and reflection. The most important tool he used was his voice and those of his students. Times have certainly changed and so have the resources we can access nowadays. What role do resources play in the owl factor? Well, if you want to find out, you also have to buy the book and read it. So thank you very much, everyone. One year anniversary. Let's celebrate wisdom, questioning, philosophy, science, and Socrates. All right. Bye-bye.